Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. My name is Steve Lim and I am, uh, <laughs> welcome to the Gastro Trends Blues, um, here for another week. I am uh, joined as always by my pals. Uh, you know, every day I wake up, I say, what a lucky guy I am. I get to be friends with these people and we, we have recorded conversations and we put them out for you guys for free. Uh, Dan Vopone and Emily Cannell, what a life we get to live here. Uh, Emily, here's my first question for you. What is something listeners don't know about Dan Volpone? Um, something they don't know about Dan. Maybe they do. I don't know. But in his, whenever Dan is drinking something mm-hmm. on the podcast, it's always like a very sweet varietal of a like spiked beverage. He's like mm-hmm. a big fan of like a twisted tea or they're always very sweet. What is he's got wine right now? What kind of wine is it, Dan? It's, My guess is it's um, like, um, uh, what's that really sweet one? I don't even know. Cause I don't drink Sauvignon it. Blanc. Oh, that's not bad. I was expecting like that one that tastes like candy. Oh, I don't know what that is. You know what it's called? Kind of... I don't Moscato. That's what I was expecting. Uh, Dan, um, but yeah, what Dan, what is something that the listener does not know about Emily? Hmm. Well, I'm going to answer and then you're probably going to crop it out because Emily's not going to want me to say it publicly, but uh, Emily is waiting (laughs) until she has a kid to get her second dog. Did I say that? Yeah, you told us that. Oh, all right. That's not that weird. I don't care if that's in. I don't remember saying that. I didn't know if you wanted everyone knowing that you're you're planning dogs and kids ahead. That could be private information. Um, No, it's fine. I think everyone knows that i mean my husband that's knows my so that's really all that matters that's my if answer. you're if you're hearing this it means that it got past the edit which is a very strict process i've had things happened, edited out before with which, my which powers happened, which has happened maybe twice over 94 episodes i well, feel like folks, it's always me being like eh, can we take that out when you say always you mean the one time it's ever happened <laughs> so i mean yeah um, I was gonna make a joke about that today out. when you were saying happy Hanukkah, but I didn't. <laughs> he, he was the one who was edited out saying something about you. It was. That's true. Uh, but that was my own. I I took a risk, and it was it was it was it was not good. It was funny, um, but I liked it, was, it. It was a fun moment. Um, all right, the Sixers are back. We are back. Um, 
how lucky are we that we get to do this? Um, <laughs> so uh, Joel is back. Sixers played three games this week. They played uh, at Sacramento, who, holy shit, do they fucking suck. Um, the Sixers played Sacramento without any starters. They played, but well, they played with uh, Tyrese Maxey, played, uh, he is a starter, uh, Ben Simmons, dribbled some basketballs uh, at Wells Fargo Center. If you guys want to talk about that, I, I'm certainly not interested, but if you guys do, go ahead. Um, he was the only incumbent starter this year who played, or non-incumbent starter, whatever, that played against them, and they beat the Kings pretty decently. And then they played the uh, Warriors uh, the night before Thanksgiving, and um, they lost that game. They sort of ran out of steam. And then uh, on... Uh, Saturday night, the Sixers lost a double overtime game that Emily and Arthur Embiid attended together, and um, uh, Joel Embiid returned, and I, I'm sure we're going to talk about that game a lot, but just overall thoughts about the Sixers this week. Um, it was a one and two week, um, you know, sort of up and down. Obviously, the biggest takeaway is that Joel is now back. Dan, what were your thoughts about the Sixers overall this week before we talk about sort of game-by-game thoughts uh, and we can go chronologically? So if you want, you can talk a little bit about the Sacramento game and then, you know, we can sort of fast forward uh, unless you have any thoughts about, you know, Golden State uh, to Minnesota. What do you think? I mean, my main thought is just that, like, I don't have it in me to stay up until 10 o'clock to watch a Joel Embiidless Sixers team play on the mm-hmm. West Coast. Uh and, you know, the – but really my main takeaway from the Kings game is, like, it's hilarious how bad they are. And Terrible. Like, they, they shouldn't be, like, great or anything, but they should be they okay. They shouldn't be that they're, bad, though. They're far enough along that they should be okay. Um, and they're not okay. They lost – it's funny. It made me think, like, you know, because Maxi is a starter now. So but, – but really, like, you know, the Sixers basically returned all five starters from last year, and none of them were playing. And it makes me think of like Daryl tweeting out the graphic in the middle of the summer when after he did nothing. But, um, oh, thank you. Yeah. But it's like none of those guys were there. And the Kings were like basically healthy and Bagley even played. And we won. Mm-hmm. And that is really embarrassing. Like not just like missing Joel, missing Ben, like missing every start. Every starter, and they couldn't beat us. And it's not like we're like, I mean, I think that we've done a really good job filling out our bench this year, and I really like those guys, and that just solidifies that. But it's it's not like we have, it's not like back in the day when like, you know, the the Thunder used to bring Harden off the bench. It's not like, and it's like, oh, but he's like their third best player. Like this is not some like technicality. It's like. No, like they're five starters from last season who were their five best players last season. Did <laughs> yeah, not that, like 15 game. deep. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it's shocking how bad that is for them. Well, and then of course the Kings beat the Lakers who were full strength uh, in LA. So a wonderful uh, week for narratives from every angle. Um, Emily, any thoughts on uh, that Kings win in particular for the Sixers without any starters from last year and with basically only Tyrese um, uh, out there for the Sixers? Uh, what did you think of that game? 
Um, yeah, all, all everything what Dan said, I mean, if the Kings are going to do anything, they have to make a move. I think, you know, they could take a, a sometimes point guard forward-ish person and see if they can uh, rehabilitate his image. That might be a good move for them to make to try and see what happens with their team. Um, they've got some players that that other team would be willing to swap for. So I'm just putting it out there. I don't even know who the Kings GM is, but if when he listens to this, hopefully it gives him some ideas. So we might as well talk about that. Like De'Aaron Fox, do we like, how interested are you guys in him? Um, We've talked about how we don't want Buddy Heald as centerpiece for a while because. We talked about this last week, didn't we? We did. Um, Yeah. But who can remember that? Um, (laughs) Like the Fox. Yeah, we did. We did a whole Fox Halliburton thing. So what the fuck am I talking about? Um, but I'll take Halliburton. I'd love that. He's yeah, great. Halliburton. He's a really good dresser, too. Into good dresser. Um, I definitely would do that. And also, the Kings should do that. Like, I'm, you know, we're not a gigantic Ben Simmons pat on the back podcast, but like, he will win them regular season games. He's a good player and he's a floor raiser. Like, he will absolutely make them a better, on average, team. Um, he will give them a better defense and he'll get them in transition. Like they won't win anything of consequence. I certainly wouldn't think. Um, but you know, Dan, what, what would you think about like, it, it seems like at least as of now, um, our friend of the podcast and my personal friend, Sam Amick tweeted something or, or had a report that basically said that, you know, like Fox is like the one that they're, not so sure about anymore and that like they're keeping an eye on him and and like they're 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 tepidly like keeping an eye on his market um like do you think that they should be not so sure about a lot of other players totally outside of Aaron Fox like what (laughs) none of them nobody don't be sure of anyone they're awful and they've been awful for forever and the fans are vomiting on the court like um do you like obviously you know Dan, you, you especially are anti-Simmons, but like, would you say that they should absolutely like do a Simmons deal because why aren't you? And like, what are your other options? Um, I think it's an interesting question. And I think that when people say like, oh, of course they should trade for Ben. Like they say it as someone who wants them to trade for Ben and sure. someone who's very easily not a fan of that team. Like, I think it's... And I know a lot of it depends on your general confidence in the front office, right? So like if you're a Kings fan and you think like, well, we're just not going to be good. We're nowhere close. And, you know, they're never going to do what it takes to actually be good. We might as well compete for the 10 seed and play in the play-in. Then yeah, making, getting Ben Simmons makes you better, right? Like he's, I don't know if he's better than Fox. He's definitely better than Fox has been to start this season. Um, and, you know, he, he, for sure, he makes them better. Um, but I just think that if the roles were reversed and, you know, you talk about a lot of the Sixers fans who, you know, were all in on the process and uh, love that we were willing to, you know, not just like lose, but like lose badly for a little bit. So we can have to be like mediocre or worse for a very long time. And, I don't see how trading for a 25 year old floor raiser on a max contract is 
going to put the Kings closer to winning anything anytime soon, right? Like Ben is, if they get Ben, they're not going to get a good pick. They're going to be okay. They're not going to win anything of consequence. They could, they could lock themselves into two other stars and with Ben be not guaranteed to win anything of consequence because of the limitations he puts on you in the playoffs. And so I think, you know, trading for Ben puts you basically in a, it just kind of solidifies the cycle the Kings are in, which is, you know, try to win, fail, try to win, fail. Um, I don't, I don't think it's like an answer if you want to, if you're serious about like winning a title or anything, but that said, I think they're probably not. Um, I think that they're probably desperate to make the playoffs after not making it for 15 years. Um, I'm not convinced Ben gets them to the playoffs, but he definitely gets them closer than they are. And so, no, I definitely don't think it's a no brainer, uh, but I could definitely see it happening. Like I could see them talking themselves into like, yeah, like let's just try to make the playoffs. Like let's just go for it. Yeah. The, uh, the question is what is the directive right now from ownership is the directive to continue maximizing whatever it is that will win them a title. Now, maybe they talk themselves into like a Simmons Halliburton thing making more ultimate upside sense than anything. Um, and they have, maybe they have no confidence in their ability to draft at the top of the draft. They took Bagley over Luka Doncic and like, they just have no clue what the fuck to do. The Sixers um, would never mess up a draft like that. No, certainly not. Um, <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about that later. Um, anyway, the next game of the week was uh, Sixers against the Warriors uh, Wednesday night mischief night for thanksgiving um they look look good for a little while and then uh sort of ran out of steam uh joel didn't play um and steph curry's unbelievable and uh the warriors are just kicking the shit out of everyone and they played in golden state and um that was about it i you know there there wasn't a lot else that i had for that one emily did you have any other thoughts for that one um tell me what would you have um it was i tried to stay up for that one because i didn't work thursday i took two 10 minute naps during the game um and i still didn't make it to the end for a while i mean the sixers were up at like the half they look good um but then it kind of fell apart when you're playing steph curry it's easy to fall apart really quickly i liked seth's quote after the game when he was like what do you say? It's like always cool to play my brother, but it's not always fun. Something yeah, like sure. that. Um, it's a real family affair with the Warriors and the Sixers. With Damian Lee. Yeah, is married to the Curry sister and everything. It's I'm like, I wonder if they stayed in town for Thanksgiving. I have a lot of questions, but other than that, like Seth, I think Steph Curry is probably the best basketball player like on the planet right now. The Warriors are so good. They yeah. Clay is still not back. Like. I think that people counted them out over the past year and stuff is just like, Hey, remember us? Like still really fucking good. And yeah. So they're just great. It was impressive that the Sixers held on for a half. Yeah. They're so good. And Steph is amazing. I love watching him uh, when he's not playing the Sixers. Dan, any thoughts on that game? No, I was out for that game. You were out. And your buddy got, your buddy got the heave ho from the bar, right? Yeah. Well, best of luck to him. It was mischief night. Um, mm-hmm. Quickly, as we get to uh, Thanksgiving, any takes on Thanksgiving food? 
I'll start. I've never had stuffing in my life. I don't know what it tastes like. Um, uh, Emily, anything? Um, are we looking for like an unpopular opinion or anything. just like a general thought? Your favorite side dish, anything? Um, well, turkey is the worst part about Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And the best thing to do is take your mashed potatoes and mix your corn in them and add gravy and eat it all together. Hmm. Yeah. I've had pineapple stuffing. I've never had like Thanksgiving stuffing stuffing. He um, lives in a pineapple under the sea. Sure. SpongeBob SquarePants. No, I know what it was from. Yeah. Just, Thank you. Yeah. It's supposed to answer. Was it like a call and response situation? <laughs> That's what I thought. Oh, okay. Okay. People well, are yeah, I've had it. pineapple stuffing. That's very good. I've never had stuffing stuffing. We did like a um, Hanukkah-ish Thanksgiving this year. So we had latkes. We had kugel. Um, that was very good. Um, we also did a filet. Cheese or fruit? Is it cheese or fruit kugel? It was pasta and eggs. Oh. Well, they also, it was worked at a Jewish jelly and they had cheese and they had fruit. I was just wondering. Oh, it was pasta and eggs. Okay. It was just a regular kugel. I don't know. But it was good. It was very good. Um, and then, you know, the leftovers are great. Had a, we had a filet on the side, which was really nice. And I had like a, cool. Nice little filet provolone sandwich the next day. Can't beat it. Love it. Wow. Good stuff. Um, all right. Saturday, Joel comes back from a three-week absence from COVID. In the first half, I thought he looked – Emily, now you were at this game. I thought he looked so slow in the first half, which is not unexpected. Um, he just looked incredibly behind athletically, which is like – it had been so long, and I'm sure he wasn't able to practice for much. Drew Hanlon came into town um, and, and was working out with him, I think, toward the tail end of the Sixers um, road trip. And then in the second half, he really, really got it going. He got to the line a ton. I think he shot 19 free throws, and he really just dragged the team uh, to uh, overtime, and uh, he tried as hard as he could to get him there. He had some bad turnovers, but it's just, you know – he was incredible and he's just the fucking guy. And um, it was not a good game from Tyrese particularly. He had a couple spurts there of scoring, but some bad turnovers there towards the end. I think that he is gonna have a bit of a hard time readjusting now to Joel on the court back from Tyrese just totally running the show where he could score 25 a game and, and not really worry about feeding a superstar, which I understand as just a readjustment. I'm not really worried about it, but um, there was a big Tyrese turnover there uh, in the end. Um, and, um, you know, Joel said after the game that tonight's loss was on him and that the layoff was not an excuse for uh for uh, him not executing in crunch time when Maxi was asked about what happened on the last turnover and beat interrupted him to say that he was supposed to roll harder and that he made Maxi's pass more difficult. He's the best. He's the best there is. And um, you know, when's he going to stop throwing his teammates under the bus? Right. You know, you remember that one half quote from after game seven, unforgivable. Um, he's, uh, he's great. And, uh, uh, Joel talked after the game. He said that COVID really hit him hard. He made sort of a, 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 um, a tongue-in-cheek remark about how he didn't know if he would make it with COVID, but it was very clear that he got hit really hard with COVID. And 
um, Towns said that he would talk to Joel about how happy he was to see that he made it to the other side of it. Towns seems like a really good guy and um, happy to see him back on the court and happy to see how effective he was in the second half. So thoughts on the Minnesota game. Emily, what was it like in the arena and was it like a heartbreak at the end? And, and what was it like to see Joel? Um, the game was really fun. It was also great because it started at six. So like I even went double overtime. I was home by like 930. It was great. Um, but yeah, it was, it was so fun that, that Andre Drummond tip in the place went absolutely insane. Um, it was a bummer that they lost, but also like, it was such a fun game that I couldn't even be that upset. Like it was one of those games where it was like, Joel really like looked like himself in the second half and his like shot just looked off in the first half, but I was like, this is to be expected. He hasn't played in a while. Like these will fall. I'm not really concerned about it. Um, so I wasn't, I, maybe I should have been more upset, but I just like hadn't been to a game in a while. It was, we haven't seen Joel in a while. So I was like kind of taking all these positives instead of the negative. Um, especially when they were down by 15 at, at the half and they took the game to double overtime and they probably should have won, but it is what it is. Um, yeah, it was fun. But the only thing I'll say is I'm glad Joel's back. This is the only time I think I've ever said anything bad about Joel Embiid. I didn't love his like tongue in cheek joke about almost not making it through COVID. I didn't love it. But other than that, I'll still love him forever. It's okay. Dan, what about you? Yeah, I thought he played awesome. And um, you know, I was out to dinner for most of the first half. They had the game on, so I watched a bit. But uh, I think that because I wasn't intently watching it, I could ignore it. Um, and second half, he was so good. End of the game, so good, and the overtimes couldn't miss. Um, he's mentioned he turned the ball over, but he had four turnovers in 45 minutes and scored 42 points. So unbelievable. I think it's okay. I think that yeah. I think that that's an okay night. Um, you know, he was a, a plus 11, which tied a team high, uh, even though you know quite a few of the other starters were minuses. Um, the team was a minus 12, and he started the game. Uh, Danny Green came off the bench. They're probably trying to limit his minutes there. Um, Tobias was just not good. Um, I know this is coming later, so I'll save my thoughts. Uh, really not a Tobias guy right now. Uh, not that I've ever really been a Tobias guy. Bad game. Um, there's still, like, it just feels like at the end of the games, and it's always felt that way, except for when they had Jimmy like they're just going to lose. Like it, it, like, I, I feel like I've watched the same game so many times going back to the first Boston series where, you know, the, with the confetti game and all that. Um, where it was like at the end of every game is like the Sixers have the ball. Well, they're going to throw the ball away. Uh, you know, so you go down and score. It's like same thing has been happening forever and ever. I mean, the Hawks series, they couldn't get buckets at the end. Uh, Maxi throws the ball away at the end here. Joel says it's his fault. I don't really care whose fault it is. It's I'm not that concerned about the loss. It's just, you know, we don't have a perimeter guy and just haven't, except for Butler, to just kind of go one on one and, and not lose the ball and get a decent shot up at the end of a game. Um, and, and as much as I love Joel and think he's fantastic, he's not going to be that guy. Um, he's, He's just a, not a good enough ball handler or passer 
like, you know, he got the ball at the very end of the game and the Sixers couldn't get a shot up. They basically sent like three or four guys at Joel and he, you know, lost his handle and, just by virtue of the position he plays, too. It's just not – look around the league. It's just not what happens. No, I mean, it's it's hard. He's not he's not fast in that way where he's going to go by anyone. I mean, he's – this is not meant as a criticism for him. I don't think anyone wins alone. Um, but really, it, they haven't had a player to compliment him in, in since Jimmy, right, and not that we need to, like, revisit Jimmy leaving or anything. but. Um, it's the piece that they're missing and it's been the piece they're missing. It's why they were never going anywhere last year. I know people were all in and I never was. And it's because that's important that that is like teams who win have that. Um, and it's why the, the, it was so devastating, you know, when the Kawhi shot winning, because it felt like we had the pieces that year. Um, and we don't right now. And that's like, that's what you need in a Ben trade. You know, that's why, I, that's why I like McCollum, right? Like McCollum's not as good as Jimmy. And I'm not, I, no one would say he is, but, you know, he can go get you a basket. He can pass the ball. Um, at the end of the game, he, you know, you don't feel like he's going to dribble off his foot or throw the ball to the other team as they're going out on a fast break. Like, they just need someone competent in those situations. They still don't have it. But I think overall it was a, it was an f- encouraging game. I mean, because all that matters is that Joel looks great. That's all that matters for this team. And Joel looked great. He came back and, and looked really good. Um, you know, like, Tobias is going to be Tobias. Maxie's young. Maxie's going to have tough games. Like I, the rest of the team just is what it is. And I'm not going to talk myself into them not being what they are. And so really all I was looking for is like, you know, can Joel get in a rhythm a bit, especially, you know, he kind of struggled shooting for a good bit of the year before he got sick. And so, you know, to see him hit some of those tough turnaround shots, you know, in the overtimes towards the end of the fourth was encouraging. Yeah, his last game uh, before he got COVID was the Chicago game where I think he had uh, 30 or 32 and 16 or something. And it felt like, oh, wow, he's back. Like, I remember, I think we talked after that game and it was like, wow, he like, he looks like he's back. And like, now they're really, they, they moved to like eight and two after that game. And it, that game felt like, you know, he really looked like himself and then he got COVID and, and, and then he didn't play again until last night. So just to see him in that second half and those overtimes really look like himself, it was the, the, basically the only thing that actually matters. Like in a certain way, you can, obviously the wins matter and they don't want to be in the fucking play in and all of that. I wouldn't worry about it right now. Um, that's that's the big deal to me um maxi struggled a little, a little bit like he had you know however many 10 great games in a row he's gonna have one of these so i wouldn't worry about it uh in a huge way um tobias we should talk about tobias um the hmm i i said to you guys last week after he had had i think a good week he's bothering me I was like, he just looks slow and he's fucking annoying me on the court. And I don't know why, because his shots are going in. But it's but something about him on the court is bothering me. And he but he's always like he's always been a sort of methodical player in that way. That he is he doesn't pop athletically and like he's not like slapping the hardwood and Ding guys up. And he's like, he just sort of is who he is. Like, I shouldn't expect him to be something he's not at this point. Um, 
games like the one against Minnesota are tough because the Sixers really needed on a down maxi game and with Ben dribbling at noon and then going home, um, the Sixers needed more basketball players and Tobias no show. Jared Vanderbilt took him out of the game. And it just makes you feel like, can we do a trade here, Daryl? Can we do a, can we find one? And like, you know, I've, I've seen Sixers fans online throwing Tobias in the trade machine for like three years now. And my reaction is always, of course, Daryl would love to do that. Like, but there aren't many and there aren't, you know, I'm sure Tobias is not an easy guy to move. And I don't have, I don't have the answer for like what the right thing is here, but like, I have a hard time thinking that an addition by subtraction thing with Tobias for just like, quicker decision makers who are like just three and D guys who can just be rotation guys. I don't know that the Sixers would do that um, in terms of the signal that it sends to Doc and Joel. I don't know what the relationship is there. From a basketball perspective, I believe that Daryl would want to do it. But I wonder how Joel feels about it. I wonder how Doc feels about it. I don't know. Um, yeah. Emily, what do you think about this? Like, how, where are you at on Tobias? Like, he's, he's very frustrating to me these days on the court. Like, what do you think? Um, he doesn't bother me as much as he bothers you guys, but I think it's because when I watch basketball, half of the time I'm just thinking about, like, that they're nice people um mm -hmm. even though like i should be thinking about like their fit in the team and things like this sure. and i'm just like that tobias is such a great leader like i love him <laughs> so he loves books um very <laughs> handsome um all that stuff that's why you know i add a new element to the podcast it's true. but i do think that one like you said tobias's contract is really hard to move and right. I think that the original problem is that a player like Tobias for him to receive that contract that he was overpaid initially and so now we're in this contract when a player that does what he does probably shouldn't be making as much money as he does right um because I'm trying to think like who are you going to get that matches salaries with Tobias but they want to trade him for like he's not he's gonna not be as good as those players that match salary with him most likely so therein lies the problem um that being said I think that when he plays well and like up to his potential I think that he is a good good fit for this team I think he's just kind of in a slump I don't know if it's injury related I know he's like was out a couple games with the what was it a hip his hip, hip is thing, bothering yeah. him yeah um so I don't know if it's that and that's why he's looking a lot slower um I don't really know that that was not a good answer but I I think he's a nice guy <laughs> he's, he's definitely a nice guy you know because like usually when people bring up the Sixers should trade Tobias it's like yeah no shit yeah of course yeah like he's not a guy that teams are trying to trade for like like for what like what yeah what are the trades and the trade machine that work Correct. that like make us better like i don't exactly like there are so few trades out there that seem realistic where the sixers would trade him get better 
and another team is on the other line saying yes. You know what I mean? Like it's a really hard thing to do. And it's hard because that makes it sound like Tobias is like the world's shittiest player and no one wants him. And it's not that it's just the contract is not the value and the money is not the same. Right. Um, but he's a fine player. It's not like he's garbage. It just doesn't, it's not, it's not lining up. He's being massively overpaid. And good for him. Get that money. (laughs) Sure. Um, and the team needs a lot more from him and the team needs a perimeter end of game guy. And he's really not that like, sometimes the team will hand him the ball at the end of the game and he can't do it. So, you know, there are very fleeting moments where he can do it. Like you remember that end of the, um, Utah game that we watched together. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, that was like, he was killing Royce O'Neal. I'll never forget it. Um, uh but yeah it's it's very few and far between so dan i know that you know you're in a very similar place on this but like i'm sure you run up against the same thing where it's like what the fuck is going to happen because there are very few even theoretical trade machine trades here that make sense for the sixers and for another team yeah i just want to put out there that my frustrations with tobias are not just because he's overpaid. And I'm not saying he sucks because he doesn't. He's a fine player. He's a good player. He's not a very good player. Like, forget that he's being played, being paid like one of the best players in the league. For, just forget that. They just have him in a role where he should be a very good player. And he's not a very good player. He's a good player. And I'm so sick. He makes things hard when he has an open three that he shot fakes and dribbles into either like an 18 footer or that's no good drives into the lane, kicks out to like a contested Matisse Thibel in the other corner. Like Mm -hmm. he just makes the game harder a lot of times. And like when, when he's not in and Joel is in, sometimes the team's a lot nicer to watch when it's like, you know, Maxi and shake and, or like Maxi and Curry and Danny Green, and just guys who are just, like, a couple guys who can handle, and guys who, besides that, are just going to just gonna shoot it. Mm-hmm. And I... Who think less. Yeah, who, At least who, that's who, what it who, seems who like, less, yeah. Who, who don't, who don't want to occupy the same area that Joel occupies on the court, who, you know, aren't taking shots that are only efficient when they're absolutely on fire and besides that are generally like frustrating, not good shots. Um, it, he's just a frustrating player and I'm, I'm kind of over. And on top of all that, he's been like a playoff disaster every year he's been here. Right. Um, and that's three years, right? That's not like, that's three straight seasons. He's been horrible. Like, and it gets, it gets forgotten. And as it should, I mean, Ben should be the focus of last year's class because Ben, was truly worse somehow, but Tobias was really and is really a better good. and is a better player. Ben, that, that too, that too, and he was also worse in that series. But no, Tobias was still awful and has always been awful in the playoffs. And he's just like a fine, good, whatever player who does things that don't really work with Joel, who does things that like would raise your floor if you're like, you know, the 2018 Clippers or whatever. And you don't have, you know, a single borderline all-star player, which 
again, in my opinion, Tobias isn't either, right? Like just because Tobias was red hot to start last year and was like a borderline all-star then and still didn't make it, by the way. Um, like that's not who he is. He's not, you know, he's not that that as good as he was. Like that was just a, a great shooting stretch to start the year. Um, and he's had good shooting stretches. He's a good shooter, but he's frustrating in so many ways. And I think we need to be past, like I'm not saying you can't enjoy him or whatever. But, like, we need to be past the idea that, like, oh, Tobias is, you know, oh, well, Tobias does other things, like, off the court. Like, Tobias is, like, you know, a good locker room presence. And it's, like, oh, and, like, the locker room is, like, a disaster and the second best players in the team. And it's, like, not, I'm not blaming Tobias at all. I'm just saying that the value of that kind of thing is so overstated. It's, like, you just need players. You just need good players, like, very good players. And he's not one. That said, I know how, how the hell are, who's trading for Tobias Harris? Like, not like if it wasn't even for the money, I don't think he would be at the top of it. If he was making 15 million a year, I don't think anyone would be going hard after him. And like, that's what he's worth. That's like a fine contract for him. But like, there's better, there's so many better players out there. Like, he's like, what, the 60th best player in the league? Like, he's not, he's nothing special. He's a good player. And, I don't like his fit on the Sixers. I don't like his fit really on any team that's trying to win right now. Um, but what team who's – so, I mean, I think other teams get that too. And so that's why it's possible to trade him, I think. Like, you know, what what team who is trying to win right now wants to bias? And even what team who's not trying to win right now is looking it's to tricky. go get a 28, 29-year-old making all that money who's just okay – Right. And like, then the answer to that is like, if you're getting off Tobias, you're giving a bunch of picks and stuff, which the Sixers are not doing. Right. Because he's still a fine player. They're not going to give picks to get off him. They're trying to win now. No. They're not right. good. They won't have enough cap space to have a max anyway if they get off them. And they want to keep those picks in case they have to, you know, give like Ben and picks for Jalen Brown or like if they get really lucky, Ben and picks for Dame or something. Like, they're not going to just salary dump him with a couple firsts. And so he's just here and making me annoyed. Like ignoring even the <laughs> NFT stuff, he's just here and annoying me, and it is what it is. You know, keep your eyes out for a team with a particularly bad locker room who needs <laughs> a really nice guy in there. But like because... maybe Tobias could fix it. He's a good guy. He always has a book with him. Yeah, you know? they're like, listen, these guys need reading comprehension, and we're like, we have just the guy. We we get him right in there. That'd be great. Um, so yeah, we don't have a solution here, but it, listen, if you guys have fake Tobias trades that you think are actually real, send them in at third and girl, um, and, and we'll take a look at them. Um, everyone has right. me blocked. I can't send them. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, support for this show comes from Sylvan learning as a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. 
And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So, oh, I wanted to make sure we talked about this. Um, Markel Fultz was on, what, what show did he do? He did a show. show. A show. <laughs> Great. He did, who's this guy? Oh, Ethan Thomas, the basketball news. I hope this isn't a weird show. But he did. <laughs> what does that mean? I don't know. Some sort it of thing. It can't be more weird than us. It can't be. It can't be more obscure than us. Um, so anyway, there, there's a clip going around of Markel talking about the Philadelphia fans. And Markel says, when asked about Philly fans, he like takes a moment to set the record straight and say basically that the narrative out about Philly fans and their treatment of him is incorrect. That basically like the narrative was that Philly fans didn't support him. And that's not true. That he got standing ovations when he came in the game after he had been out for so long and that like we just really really cared and that's what the fans were like in the dmv where he grew up and that like he totally understood us and that we understood him and that like philly fans were like behind him the whole way and that he has no ill will at all towards philly fans and i just like i loved markel when he was here i was really upset when it didn't work out and when things went the way that they did for him like I, I certainly don't think that he behaved perfectly at the time I think he probably got some bad advice along the way and I think a lot of it was certainly out of his control he was 19 god knows you know what the fuck actually happened but like um I think it would have been really easy for him to just say nothing when asked this question and just let the same narrative that's been out there since he left keep going just because who cares and I think it he should be commended for correcting it when he didn't have to. And I think that's really cool of him. And uh, I think that's great and uh, good on him. And uh, I wish him the best. And I think that's cool. Dan, any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, certainly, I, I feel like we supported Markel. I, you know, supported Markel and, and, you know, always, I really never gave up on him until they traded him. I mean, I like I, I always hoped that, you know, something would would click and, and whatever the issue was could be resolved as as strangely and quickly as it became a thing. Um, and, you know, Markel actually has, has, has been solid before he got hurt. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's just sad. He'll never, you know, he's never going to be what we hoped and you know, it, he's never he's never going to be like a, a contributor here, obviously. Um, but it's it's nice to hear that. And 
you know, I don't want to go back to like everything said this summer, but like there were a lot, there was a lot said this summer from guys who were still on the team where it felt like they just did not get us. Right. Like, and I'm not saying that like I speak for everyone in this, in the city or that, um, or that every fan is just like me or anything like that. But, you know, when we, when we go to games and, and we boo and, and because something didn't go well, or we cheer when things go well and boo when they don't, it's not like a, oh, I hate you. Oh, now I love you because you're playing well. Oh, you're not playing well. I hate you now. Like, that's not what, that's not what that means to me. You know, it's just a way to, you know, to voice what's going on in the game. And if, if, if someone's effort on a certain night is not acceptable, then, you know, as people who paid to go to the game, you should be allowed to say so. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to support the team or you're not supporting the team. It means you wanted them to win really badly and they didn't do enough, which the Sixers didn't, you know, at, to the end of this season. Um, and so I'm not, I can't think of any moment when Markel was like really booed here. Um, but but no. I, I do, you know, he did talk about booing and he did talk about, you know, how he takes it, which is not, you know, someone being fair weathered if they boo sometimes and cheer another. I mean, to me, it, you would have to be like, you have, I, I, like, if you're, if you were to cheer the team off the court after the game five of the Hawks series, which we were all at together, like, you would be a real sicko. Like, I don't, I don't, that's just, that's just weird. And so, like that's just that's just how we express ourselves here and it's not meant to be anything like it's not meant to be something that like hurts someone's feelings or or is like a statement on how like what we think of you as a person or like you know that we don't value you or something it's not it's not anything more than that um and so it was nice to hear Markel uh kind of show some support for us like I felt like we supported him while he was here um and especially especially at a time where I, I feel like we have been thrown under the bus a bit. We, meaning fans, Sixers fans, um, have been thrown under the bus a bit. Um, and like, like we, you know, we talked about this over the summer, like how in the world has the narrative shifted from the complete meltdown the Sixers had to anything that we could have done, right? Like we're, we're not involved here. Like when they win, it's not because of us. And when they lose, it's definitely not because of us either. Um, and, you know, and I think that the things that we were kind of unfairly the target of some very bizarre criticism from people who still play here. Um, and it was nice to hear someone say like, just understand what's happening. And, um, you know, uh, Trill tweeted out that video and oh, Joel yeah, yeah. liked it and that was his first like tweet in like a few months uh, which just show, you know shows that obviously he's still you know friends with Markel I think that's part of it but also the part of it that like he uh, you know is he appreciates us he understands he gets you know, he, he gets he gets he gets what we do why we do what we do I don't think it's I don't think it's that complicated to be honest but it is what it is no, it's care. It's like it's people people who are from where we're from invest a lot of their lives in these teams, like an unhealthy amount. And like 
those sounds are the way that they express that they care. And it's, it's a very benign yes. gesture. As it's long not, as they make those sounds. Right. It's like, obviously, people have crossed the line plenty of Correct. time. That's not but what we're the talking boo, about. The boo is, is not anything harmful in any way. Right. It's just a way to express that, like, you're not playing well and you should be. And, like, if you don't know that on your own already, like, you should, you should expect, like, you shouldn't expect cheers when you give a poor effort. Right. Like, and it's not, again, it's not like you don't like the guys. Like, I want to see Joel and win more than anything. Yeah. But, like, like, and he talked about, like, you know, he was booed a, a couple of years ago. It's like his effort was poor a couple of years ago. It was consistently yeah. bad. Like, I get it. I get you. It was a bad situation. But, like, yeah, like, th that's going to get yeah. booed. And, like, now he's being cheered because he comes and brings it every night. Emily, uh, what did you think about what Markel had to say? Yeah, it was nice to hear. Um, I think also, like, when Markel was here, he, I might be wrong, but, like, had made some comments about the booze. And I think with, like, getting a little older and playing in the league more, he's kind of, like, done a perspective shift on, like, his time here. Um, So maybe he wouldn't have had those same quotes when he was 19 or when he was, you know, just left here, but after a little bit of time removed, and I think he can kind of see it for what it was. Um, I know I was at that game that Markel had that triple double and it was insane. Like everyone was cheering for that kid, like to have that moment in Philly and then think that the fans did anything but support you. It's just not um, a thing. I do think though with booing, like I'll boo, I'm not opposed to booing, but I think that sometimes people take it as like a Philly thing that we do. And they're kind of like quick on the trigger to the boo. I like, we like, it was like on There's Saturday, some unwarranted boos out there for sure. Like on Saturday, like the, the Timberwolves got off to like a pretty hot start and it was like seven to one and the Sixers were missing a bunch of shots <laughs> because they hadn't played together in three, four weeks. And people are like booing. And I'm like, if the game has been playing, been playing for three minutes. Like this is not when we boo, like this is not a problem. Like, and it's just, then I get annoyed because I'm like, who are you? Why are you doing this? Like, you're not telling them anything besides the fact that they're missing shots, which they know they're missing shots. Like the shots will fall. Is this, it's just a thing that happens in basketball. You don't hit all the shots. I also hate when they boo, like when they're shorthanded, but they play like a close game against a good team anyway, and they just fall short. So like, that's not a boo. So like, I mean, you pay to go to the game, you boo if you want to boo. But to me, that's not a boo-worthy situation. Whereas like a complete meltdown in the playoffs, that's a boo-worthy situation. Yes. When you're the number one seed and you have – arguably the best player in the league and another really good player and you just don't take shots and just do god knows what Not anyone was... blowing a 26 point lead when i paid money to be in the building is going to hear it too. i'm just like this could be this could be a game of elementary school kids like to me like if i'm rooting for you and i had to pay to get in and you blew that lead no you're here well, here's the th dan question if you pretend that the because I think I know your answer. Pretend that the Warriors Sixers game was at home and they were up by 15 at the half and then they ended up losing by 20 with the team that they were playing with. Do you boo them? I don't think you do. I think it depends on how you went down. Like, so if you're up 20 and you just like 
the Warriors lock in on defense. You start missing some shots, and Steph Curry goes berserk on the other end, and he hits, like, four straight threes. Like, I think you shrug your shoulders, and it is what it is. But I do think that if it's, like, you're getting beat back door, like, like three times in a quarter, and, you know, you're making, like, careless passes that are leading to fast breaks, then I think that, that you can boo that blown lead. But I yeah. think for the most part, right, like, if it's just, like, eventually the better team starts – you know, playing amazing, the best shooter of all time makes the shots and your guys who just are, you know, are not as good start getting locked down uh, and you can't score points. No, I, I, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, I agree. And then that's the problem. That's the people that annoy me that those people that would do that. I'm like, you don't, you don't get, but not that's all who's are created equal, you know, there. sometimes yeah. there are, I defend people's right to boo, especially in Philadelphia. Anyone can boo. But I just don't have to agree with your boo. Sometimes they're fucking yes. dummies in the crowd, and I'd like it's them never, to shut it. It's never, like, I could disagree. I might not boo in that situation, but it's never over the line for you to express, you know, discontent with play in that way. It's not harming anybody. It's not offensive. It's not. For God-given right. It doesn't hurt anybody. To boo your basketball right. team. That's right. There, are, there are plenty of things that go down that are completely unacceptable. Right. And booing is just not in that category. Agreed. I'm glad we settled this. Pro boo um, podcast over here. Speaking of booing, the Eagles lost to the Giants. Oh, oh my a, God. I don't have a lot to say about this, but how are we scoring seven points against Giants? Dan, you're excited about this fellow who plays football for the Pitt Panthers. Um, you and Keith could have a big conversation about this guy on the, I don't know his name, but he seems uh, good, I think. Um, <laughs> he, he would go in the first round and play quarterback. I don't know anything about him. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know, but this fucking sucked. I, I, I wanted them to win out and then they just lost to the Giants. So, uh, and then I want the Phillies to sign somebody. They're not signing anybody. It was not a good sports weekend here for uh, Philadelphia. Ah, the union won tonight. Well, just so you know, go. they're going to like the quarterfinals of the playoffs. They're like in the Eastern Conference finals of soccer. They won in a penalty kick situation tonight. The um, yeah, the guy is Kenny Pickett. He's piss quarterback. He's fantastic. Good name. Love if he were an eagle. Um, but yeah, the, is the he game, handsome? Uh, yeah, sure. That's a no. No, That's he's, a no. He, he's fairly handsome. Google him. Um, he's, he's, he's like he's decently handsome um the the game was awful to watch um just a terrible way to spend three hours on a sunday afternoon uh everyone talking about the the rager drops and it's okay. like you know we know rager's awful but like hurts is so bad he's so he can't throw the football i'm worried he, about the throwing which is not great with the quarterback yeah he i mean and every i think you know, if you want to get excited about a guy, I mean, Hertz seems like a like a like a a very likable guy, and like you know, he's your quarterback right now. If you want to get excited about him while the Eagles won two games in a row, like go ahead, go get excited about him. Looks like but, Mac uh, Jones. He kind of looks like a uh, like a light version of Justin Herbert. People say mm, I can mm. see that. Yep. He grew his hair out, but um, but yeah, I mean. Like, if you want to be excited about Hurts, be excited about Hurts. But he's just not the quarterback of the future. He can't throw the football. And once the run run game gets taken away even a little bit, like, you're screwed. 
Like the short passes are not on target and the long passes are interceptions. Uh, he had three interceptions. It was just awful. <laughs> if, the and, short, and, if the short ones are not on target and the long ones are interception, I, I really am fingers crossed on the medium ones. They're not good either. <laughs> I'm sorry. And, you know, I don't think it's a double standard. Like there are people who support Hurts and will defend him and be like, well, they would have won with, you know, 14 points against the Giants if only Rager could have caught the ball. And to me, holy shit, he's terrible. Oh, he's terrible. But to me, it's the same thing. And like I said, I don't think it's a double standard because I think it's the same people who said the same stuff about Wentz, where it's like, oh, if only Aguilar could have caught the ball, like we would have won. So it's not Carson's fault as Carson fumbled like eight times and ran into four sacks. Like, and I just like, we can't keep doing this. Like you need a top quarterback to win in football. I, I think trading Carson was the right move, but Hertz is definitely worse than Carson, which is fine. We got a first round pick for Carson. I'm glad he's gone. Hertz is much more liked by the team and he's fine to get him through this year. Um, but he's, he's horrible at football. He's a really good runner, but he can't play quarterback in the NFL. He can't throw the ball. Um, and like, I, I don't mean this to like pile on after a bad game, but like, the reason that he looked okay the last few weeks is because they were running the ball all the time. He didn't have to throw. Like he just doesn't have an NFL arm and it, it is what it is. It's, you know, and the Eagles can, you know, try to get someone in the draft. I think they'll be more likely to try to go get a veteran quarterback. Like would love it if they could package some picks for Russell Wilson or something, but like you can't win with a quarterback who can't throw the ball and, and he can't. And like, it's fine, but I, w- I hated the excuses when Carson was our quarterback. I don't want to hear them now. Like, you just need a much better quarterback than that to win. And yeah, he's young, but he doesn't have the arm talent. Like he doesn't show you anything with his arm. Two things. My problem with uh, Russell Wilson is I don't like his online persona. Second thing is, uh, uh, Dan, can you give me an Eagles historical quarterback comparison for Kenny Pickett? Oh God. And well, do you worry at all that Pick that is in his last name? What? Do you worry at all that Pick is in his last name? Uh, I don't. There are actually like, you know, Daily News back page is going to have that. It's it's considered a very bad quarterback class, so I don't think you can focus too much on the name. Maybe you could focus more on the name other years when there's not, you know, so sure. few quarterbacks available. But you know, Kenneth Gainwell hasn't been gaining yards that well lately. It's fair, and so. Uh. I feel like, you know, sometimes, sometimes it's more than just the name. Okay. But historical comparison. If you want, listen, you can think about it while I go to Emily. I'm just going to give you this. All right. Okay. There's, there's only one Eagles quarterback that I recognize. And that's Nick Foles, the greatest quarterback of all mm. time. That went to Pitt, Joe Flacco. Went to- <laughs> he did. Emily, Emily loves what? Flacco. And like he Flacco. went to Pitt before he went to Delaware. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, how about that? Because he well, was on the I, bench at Pitt until he came to Delaware. I see a lot of Nick Foles and Kenny Pickett in that I think he's going to lead us to some Super Bowls. Love it. Emily, any thoughts from the Eagles game today? Oh, it sucked. It was boring. <laughs> it was, I watched was it at boring. my parents' house. Um, that was delightful to see my parents. I was upstairs. My dad kept yelling bullshit at the TV downstairs. We were both watching the game on different floors of the house. Um, yeah, it was stupid. That's my thoughts. 
Love it. Um, finally, it is time for our weekly predictions. Emily Rose Cannell, can you please update us on the- Gardis, didn't we go over my, we went over my middle name the other week. Well, Emily's Elizabeth and Steve is Jacob. Right. And, James. and I guessed these. Actually, I wish we were on. You did. I wish we were recording. I guessed these both first try, which is, I think, very impressive. You did. Mm -hmm. um, were we not recording? I thought we were. I guess not. No, that was when we were doing our like meaningless chatter that we do for 10 minutes before. <laughs> we do. We always do. Um, <laughs> and that's, that's on the Patreon. All right, Emily, um, what is the updated standings, please? Um, well, bad week for Dan. It, Dan it went 0 3. He said the boss win win, and it was the complete opposite. <laughs> so me and Steve both went two and one, and Dan went 0 and 3. Um, so Steve is still in the lead. He is at 11 and 9. I'm at 10 and 10, and Dan is 8 and 12. Crazy, we're 20 games into the season. Yeah, we're a quarter of the way through. Just about. Yeah. Wow, wow, so. wow. Sixers are in like 14th. It's going great. All right. Things are good. <laughs> All right. Um, this week, Sixers play no back-to-backs. Uh, they are home against Orlando. They play at Boston, the Boston Celtics. And then they play at Atlanta, the Atlanta Hawks. First up, deep into his blur, I will go to Dan Volpone. Home well, let me tell Orlando. you what's going to happen this week. I was 0-3 last week, okay? This is a 3-0 week right here, all right? <gasps> this is a th I'm calling it. I'm going 3-0 this week. You're going 3-0, not the Sixers. <laughs> the Sixers are also going 3-0 this week. Wow. And that's why I'm going 3-0 this week. And I'm going to get back, and it's going to be a week from today, and I'm going to only be a game under 500, and Steve is going to be so scared because I'm going to be right on his tail. Unless he picks all wins for the Sixers, too. But that would be a coward move because I'm coming for you, Steve. Wow, that's great. Emily, go ahead and lock in a 3-0 week for the Philadelphia 76ers. There you go. This guy, Steve. Locked in. By you, too? <laughs> yeah. Because you're afraid of me. That's why. We're that's all going. Right. Are we all going? We're all going <laughs> all wins. I already that's had written right. it down on my sheet. <laughs> Well, Dan, you set a trend. Oh, I'll still be in last next week. Too. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. That's great. I love that. Let's well, make Dan go first the rest of the year, and then we'll just pick what he picks. So then he just left. He can never make a move. That's no. great. Oh. That's good stuff. Listen, what a week. Um, happy Thanksgiving. Um, happy, happy to be alive for all of us who are, who are listening. Hanukkah. Um, happy Hanukkah. Um, uh, tonight's first night. Good luck to everybody. Um, and uh, yeah, good, good stuff. Happy, uh, happy to be here. <laughs> what an ending. Emily, third and girl. Um, Dan at uh, Gastro Blues Pod. And uh, uh, listen to the feed, the Gastroenteritis Blues um we'll be what are we gonna do you want to do a post-game podcast after boston game when is that wednesday wednesday maybe sure. i'm not too busy maybe if dan's not too busy we'll do it and if he is we won't so you heard it here first. Me. 
you can do without. I, Dan, your Twitter is literally our podcast Twitter. We can't yeah. do anything without you. I can read. When you took that hiatus, me and Steve were like, what are we going to do? Can, do we need to get the Twitter back? True. But then you yeah. came back after one week, thank God. It's true. Yeah. We missed you. All right. Be safe and be great. And uh, we love you. Goodbye. Love you guys. And meeting for all. Great. Oh.